I tend to lose things a lot. Just this past week, I was working at Starbucks and getting ready for a, a message I was giving to a bunch of young people at, uh, at Lutheran High Northwest. And I stopped at Starbucks to do a little prep work just before the event and spent a good hour there with my bag. It's a, a backpack, black backpack. And I had it zipped open, had my, uh, my Mac computer in there, had my iPad. I took my iPad out and I was working on that for a while. And, and uh, then I got a text and I pulled out my phone and, and then I realized it was time to go. And, and so I left and uh, went to the event. About two and a half hours later, I arrived home. And as I parked in the garage, garage door went down, opened the back door, passenger door in the back seat, looking for my bag, realizing it wasn't there. It's always there, but it wasn't there. However, I knew where to look. I left it on the chair at Starbucks two and a half hours earlier but my mind started to race thinking I was sitting at the front of the store, this little table bar area right against the front glass in the chair I put it down on right next to the door going out. And my thoughts are easily someone would see the computer bag there, pick it up and walk away with it. That would be the scenario that would most likely have played out over two and a half hours. And uh, I... I hightailed it, to say the least, to Starbucks. It was 8.45 at night. I knew they were closing soon. I, I'm praying as I go along, Lord, please, please may the bag be there because I'm thinking, I haven't backed that thing up in two years. I'm thinking, there are family pictures on there. I'm thinking, there's two years worth of sermons and publications and things and materials that I produce. Oh, man, I would really miss it. And praise be the Lord, I walked in and it was sitting right where I left it. I knew where to look, and I found it. Things don't always go that easily. Um, I once, uh, not so long ago, lost my car keys. Have you ever lost your car keys? I lost them for two months. And, and the thing is, is the car key included one of those key fobs, and uh, I learned that it has a special computer chip in it that uh, apparently, even though we have a regular key or the key itself had a little computer chip in it, and I learned that that key would cost me over a hundred and some dollars to replace. And so I kept thinking, well, as soon as I buy a new one, I'm going to find the one I lost. So in stubbornness, I went like two, three months without it. And I kept asking my wife if I could use hers. And this was getting very annoying in our household. But I kept looking and I kept searching and I searched everywhere. I searched here at church. I, I searched in all the usual places at home. I searched everywhere. I searched in the car. I searched both cars. I, I searched in, in the grass. I, I searched in the garage. I searched in that, you know that place that collects all the junk at home? I'm not going to define it because you got one of those. I hope you do. Uh, most people do. I searched that again and again and couldn't find it. I searched the laundry, couldn't find it. And finally, after two and a half months, I actually found the keys in the car. I don't know why they showed up there because they hadn't been there for two and a half months, but there they were between the seat and the console. I know I looked there again and again, but there it was. Got to look and know where to look, right? 
doesn't always go that easily. I once lost my wedding ring. And it was about two months after we got married. <laughs> How's that for a honeymoon, right? So I'm out there, and we were, we were relocated to, um, to San Diego where we're doing our vicarage, and I was being taught how to serve. You know, somebody's got to tell people on the beach that Jesus loves them. And so we're out there, and, and I'm learning how to surf, and I'm realizing that because the water's cold, and I, I just tugged on my ring, realizing it came off kind of easily. And as I'm tugging on it, I got hit by a big wave from behind. And I kind of like this slow motion. I saw the ring tumbling through the air. And then it just went bloop, right into the water. And the water's churning. And I'm trying to feel for it. And it's gone. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not going to find it. Even though it would seem I'd know where to look, it's in the ocean, but where do you even start? You know, losing something that's valuable to us. Oh, by the way, I, I cried, and, and my wife said it was fine. She got me a new one. So, not a new wife, a, a new ring, um, just to clarify. But losing things is not easy. And how much more so it makes sense that a lot of times when someone close to us dies, we use the word, we've lost someone. And I understand why, because they aren't there anymore. And, and there's all these reminders around us that they're not there. And so that expression, I've lost a loved one, has become very popular. Uh, it, it's easy. It, it connects with maybe how we feel or where our emotions are or the way we're thinking. The idea of saying, I've lost my loved one, makes a lot of sense. And yet, when we know where something is, we haven't actually lost it. But maybe that's part of the problem, is knowing where to look makes all the difference. Are you with me on that? Knowing where to look is really important when it has to do with things that are lost. And there's a lot of places we try looking for lost loved ones. There's a lot of places that, that are very easy to look because it's just natural. It's part of the human experience of losing a loved one. There are natural places to look. Here's some examples of that. A lot of times when, when someone passes away and that, that road to that passing is very, very difficult, it can be filled, and I've heard this from so many people over the years, that death in the process of death is really ugly. And it can be when there's suffering involved, when there's sickness, especially extended sickness or, or even sudden tragedy. and and, and Death can be really, really ugly. And the human emotion and the tendency of our minds is, is that in dealing with it, we tend to look to that. And looking at that tragic moment and those times leading up to it, and we say, this is not fair, this is not pretty, this is ugly. And our mind and our, 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 our heart, it dwells there. We, we can look for lost loved ones in the memory of how they passed. And, and that isn't just in moments soon afterwards. I, I remember when, uh, when I visited uh, the house where I grew up about a year and a half after my mom had, 
had passed away back in 91. She was 55, battled cancer for five years. And those days were filled with a lot of suffering for her. Seeing her go through some brutal treatments and especially the final months of, of just being overwhelmed by the chemotherapy and the cancer that was plaguing her body. It was a very difficult and ugly thing to see someone I so dearly loved go through. And, and I remember a year and a half after that uh, being home and uh, we, were, we were staying in the guest bedroom in, our, in the house there and, and I remember I dropped, I think, my, a book or something next to the bed and I, I, I went down to pick it up and it, it slipped underneath the bed and I looked under the bed and there were all the reminders. And... My dad was living alone. I'm, I'm sure he wasn't vacuuming underneath the bed very regularly, and certainly, why would he? He didn't need to. He was there by himself. And the thing was, is underneath the bed, because that was where my mom found a lot of comfort, was in that guest bedroom is where she spent some of her last days. And underneath the bed were all of these Kleenexes that I know and I knew were left for my mom. And, and the emotion of that and just the way the power of seeing that just took me right back to that pain and that suffering and that struggle. And you know what? There are triggers like that if you've gone through it for loved ones that have gone through suffering. Maybe it's driving past the hospital where you know they spent their last days or, or that realization of, of just little things you see on TV. The triggers are everywhere. And the problem comes is when we try to deal with losing that loved one and trying to look for them in that pain. And I'm not saying avoid the pain, not at all. But if we try to find comfort in the pain of that, we won't find comfort there. We're not going to find our loved one in the midst of that pain. Is that the place to look for someone who's lost? For others, they look to regret all the reminders of what they could have done, should have done, would have done, times that wish we'd spent, things we wish we had said or not said. And often when we're looking for lost loved one, and often where our mind and our hearts go is to the regrets. We spend a lot of time dwelling there and searching there of what could have been different in our lives with that one we love so dearly. Maybe for you it is a deep regret of something you said that was hurtful. Maybe for you it was something else that was hurtful to you and you wish you had had a moment to break free and, and talk about that. And you spend a lot of time there dwelling, there searching, trying to figure it out. It's hard to find comfort there though, isn't it? Because what once was is no longer, and we can't seem to get past it if we dwell there. It isn't helpful to finding the loved one there. Oh, maybe here's another place we find, often look to try and find loved ones. It's in the more positive things. Uh, we're often told this, that their memory lives on in us, or, and, and I, I know my sister grappled with this when my, my mom passed. It's, it was the stuff that brought comfort for her. 
It was holding on to all the things that were my mom's. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with things and, and honoring those things. That, okay, this belonged to a parent or this belonged to a brother or a sister. Or this belonged to a child or those things that can help us. But the fact is, is the more we spend time with the things. And if that's our only place where we seek to find comfort is in the past, that's the problem. It was in the past. And sometimes if that's where our minds and our hearts stop, we will not find comfort because those things also remind us those, those loved ones are here. <clears throat> Maybe you're there today. And you've been searching, trying to find hope, trying to find healing. And, and you're finding there's a lot of brokenness and even anger or resentment or, or that grief just continues. You're like, how do I break free? Where do I find the one whom I love again? Hmm. I love how this moment happens that when Jesus comes and he surrounds himself with people and he shares the kingdom and the, the love of God and he reminds them that God has come near to them. He doesn't avoid pain. He doesn't avoid suffering. He walks right into the brokenness. He doesn't push people away. Rather, he welcomes them near. That same Jesus is the one that made it very clear that a time would come where he would lay down his life, that he would be crucified. He would die. And he says, but take heart. Because after three days, I will rise again. And we see this. When, when he would share this, it was like their eyes would glaze over. It would just go over their heads like, okay, whatever. That makes no sense. Why is that important, Jesus? He'd say it again and again. And yet the time finally comes where Jesus dies. He does. He purposely, willfully dies. And many people are witnesses of that fact. Many people see the gruesomeness of the ugliness of that display that was for all the world to see once and for all. And yet as they hunker in that upper room as the early people who've, who witnessed that, the disciples, the believers, his friends, they in fear and in grief and wondering what is going to happen now, it's all over. And yet it happens, we find out in Luke's gospel, in particular where the, the, the women, they go to the tomb and it's there they encounter these men that are there, and we, we figure it out, the, the, they are angels. And, and they make this declaration. They say, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Did you hear that? Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here, they said. He has risen just as he told you he would. And... and the overwhelming emotion of that. We're looking in the wrong place. And they run back and they said, they, he's not in the grave. He's not in the tomb anymore. What's going on? Could it be? And over these next few days, Jesus would appear to them again and again. Now, a few of them at a time, one at a time, then hundreds at one time. Jesus actually conquered death. And it would change life as we know it. God had come to earth because of the problem of death. And he came precisely for that reason. To be the answer, lest we search in all the wrong places for hope today. I love what the Apostle Paul would say later. I love these words. 
It's the verse that is listed there, knowing where to look. It's in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. And it says this, it says, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You're saying, what what does that mean? What do you mean we, we don't look at what we see? And the answer is, God gives us a gift. The more we fix our eyes on Jesus, God starts to help us to see something even greater. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, the temporary stuff around us, but on what is unseen. For what is unseen is eternal. And then he explains what that is. In the next few verses, Paul goes on to say this. See, for for in this time in this body, we groan, we long to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling. Because in the meantime, we live in this tent, this temporary dwelling, our bodies that are wearing out and the frustrations of this life and the brokenness of this world. We are longing for something more. And Paul says, God has created us for this very purpose, for the heavenly dwelling that is ahead, a longing for heaven. Or as the writer of Ecclesiastes says, God has put eternity into the hearts of his people. It's a longing for something that goes beyond what we see. And yet God gives us through the eyes of faith this gift to see what the world doesn't always see. To look in places, in a place that we wouldn't expect to look to find the answers. A few years ago, and I've shared this, I don't know when last shared this, one of my favorite recent stories. Um, Back in 2003, there was a, a tour group um, in Iceland, and they were on a, a tour of Iceland, and these were people that, that had gathered there. They're on this bus. They were driving along uh, a, a, a highway, and they stop at a rest area, and uh, they get off the bus, and they, they had to quick turn around. They had to come get back on the bus for 20 minutes, and they come back, and, and they come to realize that one of the, the women in the group is missing. And uh, this begins a search. They search the, the rest area, the, the gas station connected, the convenience store, market area, the restrooms. They can't find her anywhere. They, they didn't realize this wonderful expanse of, of woods and fields around there. And they start to call out, searching for this woman, wondering where is she? Where could she have gone? And, and this search goes on for hours, and, and, and they had to call in authorities to aid in the search. And after eight hours, in the middle of the night, it comes to be known that the woman is actually in the search party. She's joining the search. They're searching for somebody who's already with them. And uh, <laughs> um, apparently she went inside, and she changed clothes and put on makeup. And she was with them the whole time. You know, and I tell you this. Not to say, we look, and and that loved one is with us always because they're always looking down on us. Folks, Scripture makes it kind of clear that's not the case. They're not looking down at us. Scripture also makes it clear they're not an angel. We don't become an angel when we die. Folks, um, that would be a demotion, by the way, because God has made humans the highlight of his creation. Angels serve us and are there to be messengers of God for us. Um, Rather, I don't tell you that to say, okay, our loved ones are with us in our memories. No. Because the more we look at Jesus, and the more we spend time with Jesus in his word, the more we spend time in worship, the more we spend time with the Savior who has conquered death, the more our Savior reminds us that we will see our loved ones again. 
And that God's people gathered around the throne, gathered around the Lamb in worship, in praise, in His presence. We are in the presence of all of those saints above as well as saints below. Gathered in worship. That's one of the beautiful pictures we see in Revelation in those words we read. That as they gather around the throne, who are these robed in white? And it says, well, these are those who have dipped their garments in the blood of the Lamb, the baptismal garments, the the people of God singing praises in worship. And you know, what do we do here today? We're singing praises around the throne room of God. With voices here on earth, voices in heaven, we join together and laud and magnify our glorious name of our God. You know, that's a beautiful thing. Theologians have often recounted that of the scriptures that build this, this case for that in worship and in time in God's word as God's people gathered as saints here on earth. We actually are worshiping with the saints in heaven. I mean, think about that. And of course, it comes to mind, well, are they going to the 8 o'clock service or the 9.30 service or the 11? Come on. <laughs> the, the point is, is they're outside of time. And if you're longing to find that loved one or be closer to that loved one, there's no better place than in God's word, spending time with Jesus, spending time in worship, praising God, knowing that it is there that God meets us and brings us ever closer to those we love, as well as a reminder that we are of those that he loves as he brings us close. He finds us as we find him. And let's, let's pray as we find strength in him today. Lord Jesus, we come before you today. And whether it is a, a fresh woundedness of searching and longing for those we've longed for and lost in this past year or recent days or recent months. Maybe it's an infant. Maybe it's a 90-year-old. Maybe, Lord, it's a 50-year-old. Maybe it is anyone in between. And asking those questions of why and where and how. And and Lord, all of the things that can get our attention of where to search for that which we've lost. But Lord, those longings find their fulfillment as we turn to you. As a Savior who is there all along. A Savior who is there with your, your presence and your love. One who has faced death head on for us. And has given us victory. To know that it is in your presence, Jesus, that together with those who have gone before and those here on earth, we praise your name, the one who gives grace and forgiveness, the one who gives us hope in the promise that is ours in Christ. And it's there, Lord, we look, and it's there we find, and it's in your name we pray. Amen.